Today's reading comes from Acts uh, chapter 27, selected texts. Soon a violent wind called a northeaster rushed down from Crete. Paul said, I urge you now to keep your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For last night there stood by me an angel of the God whom I belong and whom I worship, and he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before the emperor, and indeed God has granted safety to all those who are sailing with you. So keep your courage, men, for I have faith in God that will be a, that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we will have to run aground on some island. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea. At the same time, they loosened the ropes that tied the steering oars. Then, hoisting the foresail into the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the ship aground. The bow stuck and and remained immovable, but the stern was being broken up by the force of the waves. The centurion ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest to follow, some on planks and others on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. This is the word of God for the people of God. On the mountain, in the valley, in the crowded streets, or the empty desert, Until the mid-1950s, tropical storms were named either from their place of origin or they were named after an alphanumeric, like 1952-A, the first storm of 1952. But in the middle of the 1950s, um, a group of meteorologists got together who were almost exclusively men and decided to start naming tropical storms after their girlfriends. Can you imagine how that conversation went? Hey, baby, big storm coming. A lot of people going to die. Reminded me of you. (laughs) Two weeks ago, we started this series called God With Us by talking about how God is with us in the valley. Those prolonged times of suffering in our lives. Last week, we talked about how God's with us in the wilderness those times of preparation. Today, we're going to talk about how God is with us in the storm. And what I mean by storm is that we're going to talk about how God is with us in those moments of crisis that blow into our lives and then oftentimes just as quickly are gone, those moments of crisis and fear. One of the bishops in the Virginia Conference of Methodism was a man by the name of Young Jin Cho, and Bishop Cho was a holy man. I was in a meeting with him one day, and we were talking about a crisis that had struck the Virginia Conference at some point, and and he he got this far-off look in his eye. And Bishop Cho said, 
in my native language of Korean, it's, it's supplemented by Mandarin Chinese. And the word for crisis in Mandarin is comprised of two Chinese characters. The word for crisis is made up first of the character for terrible, and secondly, the character for opportunity. A crisis, he said, is a terrible opportunity. Now, if you're inclined to take notes, that's something to write down. A crisis is a terrible opportunity. Today we're going to talk about how God is with us in our crisis, in our fear, in our storms. And we're going to see that while it may not always seem this way, that it's in the midst of the storm that God often gives us great, great blessing. And so today we're going to see how God is with us in the midst of the storm. And notice that in the storm we often find great blessing. Here's the first blessing I wanted to share with you. One of the great blessings we find through the storms is that it's oftentimes in the storm that God uses the storm to get us on the right path. God uses storms to get us on the right path. You remember the story of Jonah? God was called, God called Jonah to go to Nineveh, which was the capital of Assyria. Now, Assyria had just conquered the nation of Israel, and, and Jonah was now called to go back to the capital of his enemies country and try and save these people. And Jonah said, I'm not going to go try and help those people. I want them to perish. And Jonah said, not only am I not going to go to Nineveh, I'm going to get on a boat. I'm going to go in the opposite direction. And in Jonah chapter one, verse four, we hear this, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and such a mighty storm came upon the sea that the ship threatened to break up. And you remember the rest of the story. The people eventually throw Jonah overboard. He gets an all expense three day cruise and then finds himself on land again, heading towards Nineveh. One of the great blessings that can come in the midst of a storm is that God can use the storms of our lives to get us on the right path. But that's not all. God can also use the storms in our lives to help us, in in some ways, help us find that our, our foundations are secure, to affirm or confirm our foundations. I love the way that Proverbs puts it. It says, when the tempest passes, the wicked are no more. After the storm is gone, the wicked have fallen. That's what the storm does. The storm lays waste to the wicked, but the righteous are established forever. Jesus said the same thing in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, those of you who hear these teachings of mine and put them into practice, you are like a wise man who builds your house upon a rock. The rain falls, the wind blows, the storm emerges, but the house on the rock stands firm. Jesus goes on to say, but those of you who hear these words of mine and do not put them into practice, you are like the foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain comes, the wind blows, the storm rages, and the house on the sand falls flat and great is its fall. One of the amazing things that happens in the storm is that our foundations get tested. In the midst of the storm, we come to find out whether or not our lives have been built on the solid rock. And if in the midst of the storm, we discover that our lives haven't been built on the solid rock, it gives us the opportunity to go and find more solid ground. A third thing I want us to understand about the blessings we find in the storms One of the most famous storm stories in the Bible is when Jesus has just finished feeding the 5,000 and he he sends his disciples out onto the Sea of Galilee while he remains on the bank to pray. In the middle of the night, a storm blows up and Jesus can see it from his vantage point and and Jesus sees that the disciples are, are really afraid. 
And so he walks out to them on the water. It's a very famous story in Matthew chapter 14. And as Jesus walks out to them on the water, they're afraid. It's the period where, where Peter walks on the water out to Jesus. But that's not what I want us to focus on for right now. I want to focus on what happens at the end of the text. Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 32. When they climbed into the boat, that's Jesus and Peter. When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Jesus calms the storm, and because of what Jesus did in the midst of the storm, the disciples had a deeper faith. The storms of our lives can help deepen our faith. Not only does God help them weather the storm, but afterwards the disciple worshipped him. Storms can help us increase our faith. In the same story is a fourth lesson. Back at the beginning of the story, when the storm is raging and the disciples are afraid, they look out and they see somebody walking to them on the water. Now, let's just put the put this in perspective of our own lives. If we were out in the middle of a lake and a storm blew up, we'd already be a little bit afraid. Add to that the fact that we saw somebody walking to us on the water. Can, is it fair to say our anxiety would go up even a little bit more? Yes? Yes? So the disciples see Jesus walking out to them on the, on the water. And Jesus knows they're afraid. I just, I just want you to hear what it is Jesus says to the disciples in the midst of their storm. Jesus says, it's all right. I'm here. Don't be afraid. It's all right. I'm here. Don't be afraid. One of the great gifts of the storm is that the storm proves to us that God is with us. I walked into our bathroom a couple weeks ago and I saw that my amazing wife had written a prayer in dry erase marker on her, on her mirror. And I thought, what a brilliant idea. Not only is she beautiful, but she's brilliant and she does a great job reading scripture. Amen? That was my wife who read scripture, by the way, and she's sitting there. I would just, I tell you that to say, I think that this might be bathroom mirror worthy. It's all right. I'm here. Don't be afraid. It doesn't matter what the storm we face in our lives might be. This is God's line. It's all right. I'm here. Don't be afraid. Just one, one other thought about this, about how God is with us in the midst of a storm. There's another really famous storm story with Jesus. This time, Jesus is actually in the boat with the disciples when the storm comes up and the disciples are freaking out, man. But what's Jesus doing? Anybody remember? He's sleeping in the back of the boat. I just wanted to point this out. Our God is not afraid of our storms. God is not afraid of our storms. God instead says, it's all right, I'm here, don't be afraid. There are some blessings that come in our storms. God can use our storm to get us on the right path. God can use our storm to confirm our foundations. God can use our storms to build our faith. God can use our storms to help help us understand that God is with us. But it's this fifth one, it's this last one. I want to spend the rest of our time talking about it. In our scripture passage we read this morning from Acts chapter 27, we saw another storm come up. And I think one of the fascinating things we learn about this story with Paul in the midst of the storm, he and his companions, is what it is that Paul 
does in the storm. Because what you see over and over again in Acts chapter 27 is Paul speaking a word of hope to the people around him. Paul is saying to the people around him in the midst of their storm, don't worry, we will get through this together. God has our back. That's what Paul says over and over and over again. God has this and we're going to get through it together. Storms help us learn to care for each other, church. That's one of the blessings of the storms. Storms can help us learn to care for each other. That's what Paul did. Not a single life will be lost. God's grace will get us through. Storms help us learn to take care of each other. And I want to share today with you over the next 10 minutes how Ebenezer Church is taking steps to be a place that cares for others in the midst of their storm. Let me put the rest of our conversation in context. This is uh, December 15th. We're a couple weekends away from the end of the year. And uh, back at the beginning of the year, we introduced our new mission and vision to the church. And that mission was to transform lives through Jesus Christ as we connect, heal, and bring hope to the world. Transforming lives of Jesus Christ as we connect, heal, and bring hope to the world. Those four words, transform, connect, heal, and hope, drive what comes next. Our vision. Just as a reminder, a vision asks the question, hey, if if we accomplish our mission for a number of years, how's the world going to look different? What do we see being different? So this is a visual representation of our Focus 2025 vision here at Ebenezer Church. If you start at the bottom there, there are a number of different strategic initiatives associated with our vision. I want to run through them quickly before we get to the main point. At the bottom, you see connecting all at Ebenezer. One of the things we thought was really important as we looked at the ministries here at Ebenezer, from the time you draw your first breath until the time you go home to glory, we had a place for you, except perhaps in our young adults. And so this year, we initiated some movement towards uh, creating a young adult ministry. We want to make sure that everyone, everyone, everyone can connect with Christ and one another here at Ebenezer Church. If you look to the left, Transforming Stafford. That's the way we talk about the, the ministry initiatives associated with our public schools here in the Stafford community. You've heard me talk about some, some wonderful things that we've done in, in our public schools. We bought a translation device for one of our public schools to help uh, non-English speaking parents become more involved in their children's education. That's a beautiful thing. We have given all kinds of supplies to teachers and to students, provided backpacks and meals. We have recently outfitted an entire supply room in a school so teachers don't have to go spend money out of their own pocket but they can go to the supply room because we paid for it it's a beautiful thing at the top you see connecting our neighbors with christ we're going to hear more about that in march of next year if you look over to the right transforming our world this is the language we use to talk about our ministries in fingahoon sierra leone fingahoon is one of the smallest uh, villages that you've probably heard of in our conversations around Sierra Leone. We've talked about how we're not only going to meet the challenges they face in their poverty, but Ebenezer Church is going to strive to help infuse this community with an economy so that in the future they don't have to ask for help. They become self-sustaining. It's an amazing, amazing idea. I'm so excited about the work we get to do there. But here's why I tell you all of this. There's some, um, there's some wonderful initiatives taking place as part of our vision. What's at the center? Hope and healing. In fact, if you were to think about the mission of the global church, you could say that the mission of the global church is entirely about bringing the hope and healing of Christ to the world. That, that's the mission to bring the hope and healing of Jesus Christ into the world. 
So this morning, I'm really excited to talk to you about not only something that, that's really cool that's happening, but I think a defining initiative for Ebenezer, for a people called Ebenezer, for the next several years of our time together. It's called Stafford Hope. The idea of Stafford Hope is simple. We want to bring hope and healing to the world by helping people in the midst of their storms. How are we going to do this? Well, the structure will remain fairly steady, even though some of the parts will change. And the structure is this. On Sunday nights, before and after our 6 o'clock worship service, we're going to offer a series of groups and classes designed to help bring hope and healing to people's lives. We've intentionally structured it around the 6 o'clock worship service because we believe that worship is one of the ways that God helps provide hope and healing. Some of the groups that we offer on Sunday night will be ongoing. Some of the groups will be seasonal, offered for a time, and then they'll stand down to make space for another group. So that's the format. Sunday night, before and after the 6 o'clock worship service. Some of the courses and groups we offer are ongoing. Some are seasonal or short-term. We plan to launch this on February 9th. And the offerings we plan to give for the beginning of Stafford Hope are as follows. In the course of my ministry career, some of the most broken-hearted conversations I have ever had have been with people who are experiencing divorce. And it's a tough season in their lives. Now, Divorce Care isn't new to Ebenezer. We've been offering it for a while, but starting February 9th, we're going to offer two sections of it. And the reason I think that's important is because historically, when people have gone through a divorce here at Ebenezer, one of them gets divorce care in the divorce. And the other one has to kind of muddle their way through. Divorce is, is a really difficult time, but it's not just a difficult time for the spouses. Divorce is also a difficult time for children in the midst of divorce which is why on February 9th we're launching a ministry called Divorce Care for Kids. This isn't designed to take the place of parents. Nothing can do that, and you don't need us to do that if you're going through a divorce. But here's what it can do. Divorce Care for Kids can help give tools, kids some tools to help cope with the challenges they're facing as their, their family is facing a new challenge. Uh, now, it also gives us the opportunity to add additional adults to the equation just to help those kids know that they are loved and that they, they matter and that they are cared for. Divorce Care for Kids is an important ministry that, that we launched February 9th. Grief Share. One of the things that is most insidious about grief, grief is that grief can make us feel like we're the only people in history who felt this way. It can make us feel so low and so alone. One of the beauty th- beautiful things about Grief Share is that Grief Share helps to normalize that experience. And all I mean by that is Grief Share helps us to know we're not the only people who have felt alone in the midst of our loss. And grief share not only gives us community, but it gives us tools to help us navigate the process of grief. Statistics tell us that one in five families in the United States of America has a special needs member. One in five. The Exceptional Family Member Support Group is designed to be there for families who have a special needs member in the midst of their family. It is uh, an experience that those who are part of an exceptional family member family will express feeling alone, that people don't understand what it's like to to go through this. They face unique financial challenges, and truthfully, it can just be hard. The Exceptional Family Support Member Support Group is here to help people share stories, to help them share resources, and most importantly, 
to help them share hope. One of the great privileges of being a pastor at Ebenezer is the chance to serve people who serve. I read some data this past week that told me that about 20% of our soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, and coasties who came back from Operation Enduring and Iraqi Freedom, about 20% of them came back with post-traumatic stress. PTSD uh, can tear apart relationships. It can break apart marriages. PTSD can drive people to cope in unhealthy ways. PTSD can be life-threatening. And that's why I'm excited that beginning February 9th, we're offering a new section of Reboot Recovery. It's a group that's designed to help those who have experienced post-traumatic stress come together and find hope and healing. I read a statistic recently um, put out by a subgroup of health and human services that said that according to a 2018 study of 2017, 2000, I'm sorry, in 2017, 38% of adults battled an illicit drug use disorder. I just got, I got to, I fumbled that, but hear it again. 38% in 2017. 38% of adults in the United States of America battled an illicit drug use disorder. We have to do something. The church can't sit. We can't sit. There's an epidemic. We can't stop. We can't, we can't keep from doing something about this anymore. We, we can't. I, I looked on a website this week. One of the, one of the best ways for, for addicts to, to help overcome their addictions is to join together in groups like Narcotics Anonymous. There are 150,000 people in Stafford, Virginia. There's one public NA group. Ebenezer Church has to help, and so we will. But it's not just addicts who need help. One of the most traumatic experiences of some of our lives has been to watch people we love go down the road of addiction, and that's why groups like Al-Anon and Naranon exist. Narcotics Anonymous exists for addicts. Al-Anon and Naranon exists for family members of addicts. They need help too, and so the church is going to try and give it to them. One, one out of every four women, one out of every four women in the United States of America throughout the course of her life will experience severe domestic violence at the hands of an intimate partner. One in four women. I'm the father of a daughter, and it terrifies me, and I want to know, what, what can I do? How can I recognize this? And when I recognize it, what, what do I do? And how can I prepare my children and the children that I love to help this not be so, something they fall into? Well, we've partnered with some folks at Empowerhouse, one of our ministry partners. It's a domestic violence awareness group. And Empower House is going to come in and for six weeks they're going to teach a course about domestic violence awareness that's going to teach us how do we recognize domestic violence. And once we recognize it, what do we do about it? And, and what can we teach our children to help them stay away from relationships that are violent in nature? Now you could look at this and you could hear this conversation and you could say to me, man... It seems like our world is pretty dark right now. And so I just want to take this opportunity to remind you of something that Jesus said. Jesus said that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? 
The church will overcome the gates of hell. It doesn't matter how dark it is out there. There is light. The light of Christ has come to the world. And God calls His people to bring hope and healing. First to our community and then around this globe. And so Ebenezer Church is going to do exactly that starting February 9th. And you might ask yourself, well, man, that's all well and good, but... How's anybody outside of this room or those amazing people watching online? How's anybody going to hear about this? Well, one of our wonderful staff members here at Ebenezer Church came up with the idea of a website called StaffordHope.org. And so we got that domain name. And if you went to StaffordHope.org, this is what you would see. And then you could scroll down and you would see um, opportunities to sign up for one of the support groups. You could click on it and you could find out more information. You could send that information to somebody. You could send an email to get more information or to register or ask any question that you needed to ask. But that's not all. One of the things that's beautiful about this, by the way, is that as new courses are being offered, we can we can keep this up to date so people will know what's coming. But that's that's not all. We also recognize we have a lot of wonderful ministry partners. And so if you were to click on the resources tab, you could go there and you could, you know, what if I know somebody in my life who's hungry or I am? Well, this website is designed to help connect you with the many, many, many resources that are already available here in our Stafford community designed to help bring hope and healing to people's lives. And some of you might be saying, okay, well... What is it that I can do to help? That's a great question. I want to outline three ways you can help. Here's the first. As you walk out of church today, you can stop by the connection desk in the lobby there, and you can pick up one of these little business cards. All it says on the front is Stafford Hope. Turn around the back. It's very basic. It just has staffordhope.org, and it leads people to this website. You can take it and you can put it in your wallet. You can put it in your purse. My guess is if you think back over the course of this year, 2019, There have been some times you've encountered some folks who are really, really struggling and you weren't exactly sure what to do. How do I help them? This is very possibly one way to help. So carry this in your purse, carry it in your wallet and the next time you encounter somebody who's facing a tough day, invite them to go here and find some help. That's one way you can help. Here's a second way you can help. Would you look at your bulletins with me for just a moment? The reason we delayed the offering this morning was because I wanted to talk to you about this. Part of the perforated section at the bottom of your bulletin is your standard registration that we ask you to do each week here at Ebenezer. But on the opposite side is this sign-up sheet. It asks for some some information, basic name, email, phone number, that kind of stuff. I want to invite you to grab that thing and, and fill it out. And then here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to consider volunteering to be a leader, a servant leader. We need people to love others in the midst of their storm. We need facilitators for several of these groups. Brothers and sisters, I believe with everything inside of me that the living God is calling Ebenezer Church to do this holy work, but that is not enough. It's not enough for me to believe it. You have to believe it too. So... Maybe your parents divorced when you were young. And God's calling you to care for children who are facing the same scary times with their families. Perhaps, maybe you have a degree in special education. Maybe you grew up in a home with a special needs member. Maybe God's been preparing you your whole life to work with the exceptional family member ministry here at Ebenezer. 
Addiction is an epidemic in our society. And there are some people in this congregation who have overcome it. And maybe the battle cost you dearly. Maybe it cost you relationships. Maybe it cost you jobs and opportunities. There are not a lot of people in the world who understand rock bottom. But if you do, maybe God is calling you to help other people in the midst of their storm. So I invite you to fill this out. Mark what you might be willing to help with and then join me for a conversation on January 8th at 7 p.m. One final thought. If you're interested in leading a group on a particular subject pertaining to Hope Night, I want to invite you to to fill out your information at the top and and put that that thing you'd be interested in in leading here. Can I just just take a, a brief time out and say this? Do you have idea people in your life? We're not sure where he's going with this. Idea people are the people in our lives that come up with an idea and say, you know what you should do? I had this great idea. Here's what you should do. Right? We we have idea people in your life, right? This is not a a fill-in-the-blank sheet for idea people. This is a fill-in-the-blank for, I feel like God is calling me to help lead this ministry at Ebenezer Church. Then use that blank. Use that blank. We need servants to journey with people in the midst of their storm because storms in our lives are real. And while we rarely think of it this way, God often uses the storms in our lives. God often uses the storms in our lives to bring about blessings, to put us on the right path, to affirm and confirm our foundations, to increase our faith, to remind us that God is present. But one other great gift of the storm is that the storm... Church, the storm prepares us to be present with people in the midst of their difficult times. Ebenezer Church is going to be a place that radiates hope in the storm. And I want to invite you to be part of this journey. I want to invite you to pray for these endeavors and together for us to bring the hope of Jesus Christ to the people of Stafford County. Would you pray with me? Holy, gracious, and loving God, we give you thanks for your many, many blessings. And we ask, O Lord, that in the midst of our storms, you would help us to see those blessings. We don't always. It seems odd, indeed, to thank you for the storms in our lives, but we do. Because as we look back, we see the great beauty that can come from our moments of terrible opportunity. Lord, we pray for the women and men of our community. We pray for those who are desperately in need of hope and healing, desperately in need of community, desperately in need of your love, your forgiveness, your grace, and your regeneration. God, help us to be a community and a people that radiates hope from now unto eternity. We pray these things with great expectation, for we pray them in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.